Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, what up, what up, what's going on? It's Frequency. Yeah. It's your boy Six Sense. Let's go. Yeah, you know what it is. From the moment you come over the bridge, and I'ma show you some shit. Eight million roaming the strip, and I hope you ain't alone in the crib. Yeah, you better believe that. It's where you get seized for the cheddar and cheese at. Put your feet up if you put in your seat back. Even veterans see that. I hear y'all. Brooklyn, downtown to the west side. Ain't no other place in the world you heard. All right, ladies and gentlemen. It is New York. Ah, that's a nice hard stop. Jeez. Getting used to this. This is the reboot of New York HR. I am really excited. This is Anthony Onesto, your host. Uh, super excited today. We're, uh, we've rebooted this show. Originally, we were thinking about how do we profile HR folks in New York, and now we're taking a New York view of things, and we're going to call bullshit on a bunch of practices in HR and recruiting that we deem um, are somewhat status quo. And so I'm excited to introduce our first guest on the new reboot of New York HR, Robin Schooling. She's going to be schooling us a little bit today. Hey, Robin, how are you? Anthony, I am loving being on the reboot. I, I, uh, I, you know, 2.0, 3.0, 2.5, something. I don't know. I'm, I'm jazzed about this. <laughs> yeah, it's probably 0.5. We were so crappy before, but let's. Uh, we'll, I'll take a 1.0. I'll take a 1.0. Robin, tell us a little bit about you, your background, before we get into our topic that we're calling bullshit on today. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I am that HR practitioner i um you know i've worked in hr um i I say my entire life (laughs) because it really is my entire life so um hr practitioner hr leader have um traversed a variety of industries a variety of roles i've done everything from banking and higher ed hr to nonprofits and gaming uh, casino world, um, third-party logistics in, in the chemical industry. I've, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff. And, wow. uh, yeah, I, um, you know, they all sort of cumulatively come together. And, and I like that I've worked in different industries. And, um, now for about the last six months, I, um, have been in a new role. So I'm the head of, head of people, a sexier, you know, HR title than head of HR, um, head sure. of people at uh, Strio Consulting, and we are actually in the business of HR and talent acquisition and HR tech consulting. That's our business. Um, but I am the head of HR for our team. We have about 200 employees, and um, also get to do some work with. Um, some of our projects and stuff with clients. So it's a great, um, it's a great gig. I feel like everything's kind of come together to, to get me to this job. That's awesome. And we, we could probably take another show on the differences between the casino and the consulting firm, but a uh, fascinating uh, transition, <laughs> I imagine. And, and you also, um, I, only because I know I was on it, you're on a, you have your own show, right? What, what's that all about? Yeah, yeah. We um so drive through HR, you were our guest um a couple of weeks ago and um 
it is um we like to say the longest running there's some dispute who's longer but one of the longest running hr radio shows slash podcasts um just um hitting 10 years 10 years um on the air um hitting the 1400th episode and um we had a little retrospective show this this week about it um i have not been with the show all 10 years brian went and started it william tincup joined him a a year or two into it and um there have been several hosts over the years and, and different groups crystal miller lay was a host for a while um Nisha uh, Ragavan was a host for a while, and then Mike Vandervoort, um, and then he had kind of been doing it by himself for a, a well over a year, and I teamed up with him last October, and we kind of did a little reboot of drive Through, even though it had been continuing, but we kind of rebooted it in October, and so, yeah, I've been co-hosting with him now for about six months. That's awesome. Wow. Uh, 10 years. I mean, you guys are just getting in on dial-up, I guess, or am I dating myself? Yeah. Um, <laughs> AOL, you know. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, all right. So when we're with the new reboot of New York HR, um, our topics are going to range from sort of status quo HR, recruiting things that, you know, things that make you go, hmm, to, to also date myself. Uh, and today's topic, um, and I'll love to start off with the why, Robin, but today's topic is corporate wellness. Um, it is a literally a billion-dollar industry. Companies are spending, you know, I think it's a, somewhere between, you know, 1200 to 1500 per employee per year on wellness. Um, no one's really doing it. They're not getting an ROI. Um, we, we, we're adding yoga now, all this other stuff. Um, why, why, why bullshit on, on wellness? Why is that a topic you want to call bullshit on? Uh, man, you know, yeah, the, uh, a figure I saw was us is eight, like around $8 billion industry. Um, and I, uh, I have long been, um, uh, kind of gotten the creepy crawlies from um, from the take on corporate wellness as I've seen it rolled out at multiple organizations and 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 why I think it's uh, why I think it's crap quite often is there is such a narrow view first of all there's such a narrow view of what wellness means um, you know it it grew up or it came to be and it still is it, it's based on um, this nebulous concept of there's going to be some financial ROI. You know, we, we do a little bit of this stuff up here, whether it be carrot or stick, um, and we're going to get a, a return on the bottom line of lowering health care costs that the right. employer is covering. I mean, and, and as thinking has evolved or as the realization has come to people that wellness is about much more than just health, um, you know, physical health. Um, corporate wellness programs, I still see many that don't embrace that totality of it. You know, there's there's financial wellness, there's mental health wellness, there's, you know, kind of personal well-being, all of, all of those sorts of things wrapped up into it. And where, I've, where I have just gotten really worked up is when 
um, and I've got a specific story when we're ready to share that, but where sure. organizations um, have this especially very stick-driven corporate wellness program um, and these expectations laid out to people that they are in the day-to-day, the company is treating those people like crap, low-pay, right. stressful jobs, you know, unrealistic expectations of any sort of semblance of work-life balance, if you will, um, and and expect health behaviors to change or to be this magic bullet, and and no realization that it's it's an all-encompassing approach. It just drives me mad. Now, when when you say stick, what do you mean by stick approach to to wellness? Well, um, you know, you you better do this, um, Sally employee. Um, or there's going to be some sort of punishment. Um, oh, we're, we're oh, rolling it. out, um, you know, uh, uh, as part of our wellness program, we're going to have a, everybody's going to do a, you know, a 5K or something. And you better do it because if you don't, you know, you're getting kind of a, you know, a demerit put in your, in your personnel file and, and you kind of are blackballed <laughs> right. with other things. I've, I've seen that, um, that go out there. Or, um, you know, if you don't, if you, if you do this um, activity or you don't do this activity, you're going to get, um, you know, higher health premiums or things of that nature. So, can, can you define a a, a demerit? Uh, I, I, what was the word you used in your file you, for the millennial audience who may not know yeah. what that was? <laughs> <laughs> um, so. It's so interesting. So why, why do you think we haven't evolved? You know, wellness has been around, I want to say, you know, you and I have been in HR, like we said, for, yeah. for a lifetime. Um, I, there was hints of wellness, not to the degree that we're talking today in terms of, you know, yoga and other things, but there was a, de- a, de- yeah. a, de- a definition of wellness. Why haven't we evolved in this, why why do you think that we continue to struggle with with corporate wellness? Well, um, again, I think because is it, it just, often I'm it sorry, often I, I'm sorry, Robert. It, is it just bullshit? Like literally? It you know there there is an element of bullshit with it, and I think we'll we'll um, you know I think we're starting to uncover more and more of that. There was there was a um, a study that I read that came out last year, um, and it was it was really one of the first times that um, research had been done into a particular wellness program. And it was uh, researchers who went in and looked at this um, corporate wellness program at the University of Illinois, and they they had you know set it up as true research study control group. Um, you know what are the programs? What are we gonna What are we gonna do with people? Um, and we're gonna measure, you know, all the stuff that everybody touts, and that our benefit brokers come in and tout to us. For example, you know, hey, do this, lower your costs. So this right. this research study went in, and 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 tried to look at um, were there actually differences um, between 
you know, the control group and, and everybody else and what and the level of participation. And they found in that particular study that um, people, the employees, first of all, there were 12,000 eligible employees that could have done it. Only 5,000 chose to participate. Um, so I think we can talk about participation rates in a bit too. But um, sure. of, of those who participated, there was not any noticeable difference. They didn't take fewer sick days. They were not more likely to, you know, live their best life at work and get a promotion and get a pay increase and things like that. They did not spend any less money on, on you know, prescriptions or doctor costs or doctor visits or anything like that. And that whole um, concept of, oh, if people participate in this wellness program as an employer, we're going to reduce our, um, you know, medical insurance claims um, was was proven to be, in this case, bullshit. Huh. So you have all this impu- this data. Let's say we're looking at this this research piece. Um, it's it's having zero, if almost maybe negative impact. Um, and maybe there's some positive impact. Like if you're you know someone's going to the gym, all of a sudden, obviously there's a there's a positive element to it. Yeah. But HR, you know, I say this all the time, HR people are smart. Like we are sitting at the, the, the hub of the entire organization. We see what's going on. Why, you know, like we needed a research study to tell us that it's not working. I think we all knew that it wasn't working to a certain degree. We had evidence year over year yeah. of increased costs in health insurance. Um, why do we keep doing these things? I, it, it just seems there, there's a propensity in, in human resources to – to run a program and keep it alive for as long as you can, even if it has yeah. zero productivity impact or even negative. Like why, why, why do you think we're, we continue to do these things? You, you know, I think, um, and we do this, we do this pick an area in HR and we tend to do this. <laughs> we, we confuse activity. We confuse busy work um, with impact. Yeah. We, we Great. It, it, it's sort of the same, you know, what we, what we tend to still call, you know, our HR metrics um, tend to be, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Our, you know, they're very static, they're backward looking, they're a point in time. Um, you know, here's your, here's your monthly, you know, FTE count. And that's right. our HR, you know, those are our HR numbers. Um, what do I do with it, that? It's as a kind of the right. same, yep. you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And it's it's funny that you bring that up because, you know, to, to tease a, a future episode, we are going to call bullshit on HR metrics. So I'm excited to uh, – I'm glad that you said that, uh, especially on headcount, which effectively is probably not even an HR metric. Um, so right. let me understand what, what your, your thought process here. So we're doing all this stuff. It's not working. You're saying essentially that because there's activity, I am doing something. I am – and, I, and mm-hmm. we'll probably say this a lot – on this show, checking the box, I'm good. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I've been, I'm a successful HR person. Um, let's, let's move on to the next thing. Um, anything else that you can think of that, that would cause somebody to just continue doing these things that, that, that aren't working? Um, and then I'd love to, you know, this is not a negative, even though we're calling bullshit on things, we are going to uh, brainstorm and ideate on what are the things that we need to do to, to get this to work, right? So it's not yeah. just we're going to yeah. call bullshit first half, and the second half we're going to come up with ideas. So it's not completely yeah. negative where hopefully people come out with some ideas here. Yeah. 
Well, you know, there's another factor that goes into why we keep doing this. Um, certainly, there are there are HR leaders that, you know, oh, it's an activity, and we can put on our website. Yeah, we have this wellness program. Whatever. Um, there are also, depending upon the organization, there are corporate, uh, if you will, um, senior leadership influences on why this should continue be, to be done. And um, I, can, I can speak to this from experience because I joined an organization um, that was, uh, for years, had touted, you know, uh, wellness initiatives. This is important. This is key. This is critical. Um, it was an organization that was uh, self-funded for health insurance, so that cost for medical coverage was seen as truly this. You know, we're opening the checkbook every month and writing a check for right. the claims. Um, no. So I think when when organizations are self-funded, um, the powers that be really see that. You know, oh my God, this is actually a cost. And so sure. these, you know, Joe CEO, Joe CFO go out, they hear something. Well, let's do this HR, you have to get this under control. So this particular organization, which was self-funded, and and at the time of my interview, when I went through the interview process actually, the, the powers that be spent a lot of time talking about, um, you know, the um, the financial responsibilities of HR and, hey, we're self-funded and, you know, what are some things we've got to get, you know, that falls under, you know, those are costs for, you know, in HR's, you know, P&L and, you know, what are, what are things? We've got this wellness program, blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, um, what I learned, because I ultimately joined the organization, what I learned was <laughs> that year over year, for many years, because one of the first questions I asked of the, um, of the broker and um, the medical carrier who was kind of advising the organization on wellness stuff was, well, have you tracked this? You've been running this for whatever, 10 years. What have you seen, you know, has this had an impact? Have you seen costs lower? Have you seen utilization for, you know, chronic diseases, uh, you know, related sure. to that? You know, what have you seen in the utilization reports? And the answer That's was, well, question. no, we really haven't tracked that. We really haven't tracked that year over year. So they really couldn't even speak to an impact, but we kept doing it. Costs had continued to go wow. up. But we kept, but we had to keep doing it. Now this was an organization also with um, close to 50% turnover. Um, so wow. doing any kind of year-over-year analysis was also, you know, kind of asinine because half the employee <laughs> population was gone and taking their family and dependents with them. So comparing utilization even or impact of wellness was, was was challenging in the first place. But there were there were all these activities that they were wrapped up in. Um so I'm, what I'm were some watching of the it to a quick <laughs> like what what, <laughs> what were my, they doing? This is my biggest HR horror story right here around wellness. <laughs> um when I um so when I when I started and a couple of months in um, we get the edict from the corporate office that, hey, it's time, yay, it's time to do this activity. It was so successful last year, let's, let's get it ramped up again. And it was a there, weight let loss. Me, let me hold you. When they, when they said it was successful, what was the, what, 
was it just a statement they made or did they show you? Cause I, going back to your um, point, they weren't really tracking it. So what was their definition? Well, of Well, um, when, when, when you hear how, how it ended, you'll, you'll question the success of it, but um, <laughs> everybody, this was great. We have to do it because we, this, you know, this is the kind of stuff we need to do to have an impact. It's weight loss, kind of biggest loser thing. Um, so as I come to find out, um, what it entailed was, uh, I think it was, let's say, a 10-week challenge. Um, probably about 50% of the eligible, because it was for plan participants, so probably about 50% of employees had participated in this because they tied some dollar amounts. Biggest loser gets whatever, you know, $1,000, whatever it was. Sure. Um, yep. Looking at the criteria for it, they had not – because these were HR ladies running this. There was no medical input. There was no research, nothing. So they hadn't sort of differentiated, you know, what that means. It was like pure pounds. There was no look at, you know, a 23-year-old male is going to lose more weight than a postmenopausal, you know, female type of thing. Right. Um, yep. So the, 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 the criteria was crap. But here was what, like, set me over the edge. Um, everybody had to be weighed every Monday. You would weighed at the beginning and weighed at the end of the 10 weeks. But there were weekly check-ins to be weighed. And so what happened was the HR staff had gone to, you know, Walgreens or whatever and bought a scale and had it in the HR department. And every employee would come in every Monday and stand on the scale and some HR person would have to take their weight and they kept a giant spreadsheet of everybody's weight over 10 weeks. If you weren't at work, you could take a picture of yourself in your bare feet standing on your own scale and text that in and then your weight could be entered. <laughs> there were some people because they had going. no budget to spend <laughs> that, um, and so the, the scale that they had bought, because it was like you know a $20 scale, only went up to whatever, you know, 350 pounds, whatever it was. There were some people who undoubtedly could have could benefit from a weight loss challenge who were too large to be weighed on that scale. <clears throat> so what they ended up doing was taking those employees, and there were multiple, and walked them across the building through the employee lunchroom back out to the back loading dock and weighed oh, them geez. on the scale that was used for goods and pallets and things to come in and out. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then <laughs> and I further no learned that when they had... any of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, when they had successfully done it the year before, the person that won actually had cheated and um, submitted false information, did. apparently. So I said, did. I... Um, I refuse to do this. Um, a, it is not our job as HR professionals to be weighing everybody. I am not a medical professional. I don't want to know what everybody weighs. We don't have adequate, uh, you know, equipment to do that or the know-how. I don't want to get that personal with 150 people coming in here to be weighed. We, you know, um, I um, right. the criteria that you set, you know, kind of the whole concept and it's, this is not healthy because potentially people going on crash diets, whatever, to win $1,000. I said, I, I refuse to do I'm lucky I didn't get fired. 
because it was total insubordination, <laughs> right? I said, yeah. I, I'm not. I, I, and I pushed back on it. And I had counterparts at other locations in this company. Oh, this is great. No, rah, rah, yes, let's do it. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I, no, I, I, I'm, no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's, it's, and we didn't it's do it. funny because the, <laughs> the good intentions, the good intentions are always there, right? So there's the problem yeah. I've seen in HR is just the execution of these things and really having the experience thought out. I mean, there's a great, you know, to talk about the cheating folks, there's this uh, idea of the Cobra effect. And so, uh, the, the, you know, in British uh, rule of, of colonial India, they had a venomous cobra snake problem. And so the government offered a bounty for every dead cobra, right? Because they wanted to reduce the yeah. amount of cobras. But naturally, what do you think happened? People started raising cobras so they could then um, get the bounty <laughs> for the cobra. And then the government yeah. stopped paying the bounty. And now you had all these, you know, and had the complete opposite cobras effect. Right but uh, yep. yeah, exactly. It, it's fascinating. So um, we're, we're about five minutes in. Uh, to, to the end of the show, but what, what do you think, like, if you can offer the audience, like, and I won't go to three, maybe two suggestions. If we go to three, beautiful. What should people be thinking about and how do we, like, do we, is first option just completely stop and reinvent it? Like, what do you suggest people do to really get a wellness program? Cause you had mentioned before about the holistic approach that your work environment, yeah. it's not just a program. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I, I, I think there are a couple of key things. One is, yes, first remember wellness is, is the whole person. Um, it is not just the impact of costs and what kind of prescriptions people take. It's financial wellness. It's emotional wellness. It's, um, you know, helping people kind of meet their basic needs. Are, you, are, are, are they financially secure with what you're paying them as an employer? You know, but it's looking at all of the components that make a person well, that, you know, their well-being. And, and, you know, that's what you need to tackle, not just bottom line health costs. Um, I think it is um, incumbent upon any, any HR team or any organization that wants to do some sort of wellness program. First of all, don't make it a program. Um, like, like you just said, be thought, think, think about your intentions Think about the parameters of it, and bring in healthcare professionals or meta, you know, financial professionals or whatever it may be, to work with people. This is not the domain of Sally, the HR assistant. Um, and I, I think was Susie. to Susie, that's right, that's okay. right. I told okay. you Susie's my go-to uh, name. See, I pay attention. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, the other piece, somebody said this to me the other day. This is not an original thought from my mind. Um, but I was talking to somebody about wellness programs just within the last couple of weeks. And she said um, that her assessment of it from the outside looking in, she's not a practitioner, um, was to make people um, take that journey to better health or to better well-being is you have to create it as this like hero's journey that they decide to go on themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and HR's role can be, here's, and I firmly believe this, here are the resources, here's, this, here's these conditions that we've set up for you to live a healthy, well life. Um, and here are these resources and here's the support we'll offer. But that person, that employee or their family member, their dependent, whatever, 
needs to feel free to want to embark on that on that hero's journey, that journey of discovery. You know, they've they've got to chart their course themselves for that. I love that. Have you have you mm-hmm. implemented anything recently? So given all the sort of experience that you've had, uh, the wild stories of people getting weighed on <laughs> on, on industrial scales, um, which is, sounds like a complete nightmare. Um, what? Yeah. yeah. Have you done anything recently where you would point and say, "All right, we've taken the first steps here"? Um, no, not recently. Um, certainly at that particular organization, um, it was it was a challenge. Um, because it was sort of changing, starting uh, my, I, I tried to influence it as as well I could, you know, up the chain um, to say, you know, this is what wellness should incorporate, and and how do we, sh- how do the challenge was getting the, um, you know, CFOs and whatnot to see that it is more than just the bottom line. They didn't want to believe <laughs> that that you couldn't just measure the effectiveness by taking a look at oh, we've got more people that went from a name brand drug to a prescription drug in the utilization reports. Um, right. That was a challenge. And so I have not I, – I did, I did further the conversation there and was trying to influence at least let's look at this from a greater context um, and did start to incorporate elements in um, and regularly talked about well, when we talk wellness, we also mean your financial wellness. So, yeah, we're bringing in this, you know, retirement plan advisor to come and sit and meet with people, and you know, I put that I put that under the umbrella of wellness. Um, so, it was cool. language. Great. And so we're we're yeah. close to being done. Robin, thank you for calling bullshit on corporate wellness. Where can people find you before we uh, jump off here? I am uh, I am all over online. I'm uh, robinschooling.com, Twitter at robinschooling, LinkedIn also robinschooling. <laughs> so thank you, Anthony. This was fun. Thank you, Robin. New York. <laughs>